Hi everyone, and welcome to our Inside Asia M&A podcast series. Investment activity in Indonesia got off to a flying start this year, with almost 30% more foreign direct investment in January to March than in the same period last year. This definitely shows confidence among domestic and foreign investors in Indonesia's potential, and the outlook for M&A activity this year is looking strong. Today, we'll have an in-depth conversation about M&A in Indonesia across a number of key sectors. My name is Stephanie, and I'm a partner specializing in corporate M&A with Hiswara Bunjamin and Tanjung, the associate firm of Herbert Smith Freehills in Indonesia, and I'll be your host today. I'm joined by Cahyadi Bunjamin, our managing partner at Hiswara Bunjamin Tanjung. Pak Cahyadi? Hi, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. It is an honor for us to have our guest joining the podcast today, Mr. Stefanus Ade Hadiwijaya. He is the Chief Investment Officer at Indonesia Investment Authority, or also known as INA, Indonesia's first sovereign wealth fund. Welcome, Pak Stefanus, to our podcast. Thank you, Pak Cahyadi. We really appreciate your taking time to talk to us today. First, could you share with us what led to the launch of INA by Indonesian government and what are INA's investment philosophy and development ambitions as an institution? To answer your question, the idea is we want to drive more investments to Indonesia, particularly the foreign direct investments, and to eventually play a role to speed up the economic and social development in Indonesia. We want to invest in assets that can generate an optimal risk-adjusted return. It's very important for us. And also, we want to be a leading investor in the key sectors like infrastructure, healthcare, digital infrastructure, renewable, tourism, and so on, to help fasten the growth. And eventually, we want to be the preferred partners for any investor globally who want to invest in Indonesia. Thank you, Pak Stefanos. Just to share a little bit about what you've been seeing in the market, what do you think are the opportunities? You've mentioned a couple of sectors that INA has been focusing on. What do you see as opportunities that other private capital players might be seeing as well in Indonesia? Yes, I think there are lots of opportunity. And the appetite or the demand from the investor on Indonesia, I would say, is probably on the all-time high level, right? If you ask me specifically, which are the sectors, obviously, the same sector that I already mentioned, you know, around the infra, especially transportation infrastructure, logistics, warehousing, healthcare, digital. I think although currently market is a bit tough, given the dress in the tech market globally, but, you know, things like digital infrastructure are booming pretty much in Indonesia. Talking about data center, telco tower, and, and so on, right? And not to forget in the green investment, the demand on playing the part in developing the renewable ecosystem in Indonesia is very high. Many investors approach us to do uh, deals in this area, right? And last but not least, also sector like tourism, you know, with the recovery, this is also a sector that investors want to be back to put more money in this in the sector. Thank you, Pak. Yes, turning to you, Pak Cahyadi, are you, you know, observing increased interest and, in, you know, activities in the sectors that Pak Stefanus mentioned earlier? And from your experience, you know, what sectors would you say are particularly attractive in Indonesian market at the moment? Yeah, we are definitely seeing a lot of activities and interest in the sectors that Pak Stefanos has mentioned. Infra is always big in Indonesia and also in our firm. And because of the 
geographical challenge in Indonesia. And, and some time ago, we as a country were seen as being late in developing the infrastructure and it could be the stumbling block in our growth. The government is fully aware of this. And in our firm, we are busy with many infrastructure works, you know, from M&A, financings. And that's also one of our focus areas. And we've seen lots of activities in that area. Another area that we've seen is, uh, yes, healthcare is always a darling sector in our country. And we've seen many, many activities in the health sector uh, recently. And COVID is also, you know, speeding up the, what we call as the consolidation also in a way on the healthcare business. There are many M&A activities in this, in this space and, and also it expanded into the digital health as well. Mining is always a darling sector in Indonesia. And now with the renewables, etc., we've seen that even some of our coal clients are shifting into nickel and other so-called like green mining. Yeah, Renewables energy is also interesting. And this also includes carbon trading. The pandemic, in a way, also brought a perfect momentum for our country to accelerate our digital economy and emphasize on financial inclusions. Also, we are seeing many many activities in this area, including payment space and fintech, e-commerce, health tech, edutech, etc. And from the regulatory standpoint, the government is also trying to attract investors, both domestic and foreign, through various changes in the regulations. The key change in the regulation is the update of the investment list in 2021, which has liberalized various sectors previously closed for foreign investment, such as airports, seaports, power sectors. Those are just to name a few. There is also a licensing reformations with the recent upgrade of the online single submission or OSS system. Now it turned into what we call as the OSS RBA, yeah, risk-based approach, whereby you know various licensing process can now be made through a centralized online system. So I think the government is really working hard and also on the regulatory space to boost the growth of the economy, just like uh, Pastor Stefanus uh, mentioned earlier. Thank you so much, Pak Jahyadi. So now let's slightly shift our discussion point to the infrastructure space. We know that INA has also been focusing on transport infrastructure, such as toll roads, seaports, and airports, which is an important part of Indonesia's economy. And we've been seeing a lot of activity in the sector. But Stefanus, if I can bring you back in, what is the project pipeline looking like for this space from your perspective? Yes, obviously I cannot share the detail, but there are a few key subsectors within this transportation that we have been working very hard in closing the deals uh, and also to working on some of the potential new deals, particularly in toll road, probably read in the news how we collaborate with CDPQ, Adia, and APG in exploring potential investment both in Trans-Java and Trans-Sumatra. So that's uh, probably, it could be or likely be our largest exposure in terms of Pacific sector. We also exploring uh, potential investment in seaports. You probably also read in the news how we partner with Dubai Port World in exploring potential investment in many different ports in Indonesia. And all the investor partners that I mentioned, they're all long-term investors. They're not here just to invest for five years and then exit. They're here for long-terms. The other subsectors that we are looking at to invest is airport and cargo. There are few potential deals that we are working on at this moment to find the strategic partners to invest and help improve the quality, traffic, and the financial of some of the key airports in Indonesia. 
as well as the air cargo. So I think that's what I can share. And this is only the beginning. I think we will allocate 30 to 40% of our capacity to invest in just this one big transportation and infrastructure sectors. And at the same time, our capital itself will not be sufficient. We have to invest with, you know, all the global capitals that wants to participate in the growth of the transportation sectors in Indonesia. So not only the name that I've mentioned to you, but there are actually many more ranging from global sovereign wealth fund, global pension funds, even, you know, infra-specific private equity. They've been also chasing us to work together and finding the right deals in this sector. Thank you, but yes, definitely when you mentioned that, you know, the long-term investments in this space, that's definitely an important factor, ya, Pak, ya, given that, given the scale of infrastructure projects in Indonesia and the tenure of such projects, it's definitely, you know, long-term co-investment model seems to be a suitable investment approach going forward in this space. True. And some of the names that I mentioned, especially the pension funds, the insurance company, they want a long-term investment because they're not like just flipping an asset, right? Because they need to get a stable growing yield from the investment that is required as part of their investment mandate. So this kind of asset fits nicely to this kind of investors. Yeah, more or less, I've seen the same team here of the queries that come to our firm. Historically, the growth and development in the infrastructure sector has been dominated by the local groups, in particular the SOEs, and also finance uh, locally, primarily through the SOE banks. But now we are seeing more and more interest from the international investors looking to participate in the infrastructure projects. An example that we've seen uh, recently is the Changi Airport International from Singapore who had won the public-private partnership or PPP tender for the Komodo Airport Expansion Project. Hi, Pak Cahyadi. Uh, I have a question regarding the infrastructure investment environment. Based on your observation, what players are driving activity in this sector? And what changes have you seen so far? And how do you expect the sector to look in in the future? Thank you, Pak. Thank you, Stefanos. First of all, let me start by saying that, you know, the infrastructure sector is really growing under the opportunities given by the government. So the sector is open up and foreign investors are really keen to go into this market and also don't discount some of the local groups in Indonesia, Pak Stefanos. They are also looking into investing into this area. For instance, like one private group in Indonesia is, you know, consolidating the toll road ownership, for instance. Yeah. And... Uh, Astra also, yeah, Pak, yeah? Yeah, Astra. Yeah. Basically, it's Astra, Pak, yeah. They are, they are already, like, connecting Java, basically, yeah, taking yeah, over yeah, there. Yeah. So, yeah, the local sector is also playing a big role. They see the opportunity here. And going forward, we know that there are still many, many infrastructure projects coming and needed from our country, Pak, yeah? Starting from the, you know, the plan to have a new capital in Kalimantan, for instance, yeah? And then also the government also realized that this part of Indonesia needs to be developed to catch up with the Western part of Indonesia, for instance. And we work with Exim Bank, for instance, yeah, uh, providing financing to develop that area. The Mandalika circuit, for instance, in Lombok. Yeah. So that's so the opportunities are again driven by the government, but the appetite is just there, yeah, by, by the investors. Later this year, HPT and Herbert Smith Freehills will be relaunching our quarterly Focus Indonesia seminar in Singapore. 
covering everything from the current political climate to important legal reforms. Our cross-practice team of Indonesia specialists offers practical insights on the latest economic and regulatory developments impacting transactions and projects in Indonesia. Please see our podcast description for contact detail regarding this seminar series if you're interested to find out more. Now back to our discussions with Pak Stefanos and Pak Cahyadi. Let's now move on to healthcare. Pak Stefanos, what do you think would help strengthen Indonesia's current healthcare system to be a little bit more accessible and cost-efficient? Yeah, sure. I think this is uh, one of the most important sectors that we want to invest more aggressively, bring in a global investor and also global expertise. First, talking about accessibility, I think the first thing that the government has been doing it right is the BBGS. So I think with BBGS, the access of healthcare services and also drugs has been growing very well. Now, almost everyone, especially those who already have the BBGS insurance, can have access to these healthcare services. This is something really big that the government has been successfully implementing. With this, you can see how the hospitals and the healthcare services in general has been growing very fast in the past, I guess, uh, six, seven years. I personally used to work in a regional private equity that invests in one of the big three hospitals in Indonesia. Just to give you a sense, when we invested in 2017, the number of hospitals were, I guess, around 23 or 24. Now, five years on, the number of hospitals is 45 Five years ago, the number of GP, you know, the doctor umum and the specialists are around 2,000 something. Now the number of GP and specialists is 4,000 something. So this is a one example that, you know, the capacity is doubling. And for sure, the utilization at uh, its hospital level also increased significantly. So if you're talking about the volume growth is probably triple or even four times. Actually, currently we are working on two life deals, one in the, also one of the largest hospital and the other is one of the large healthcare retail chain as well as pharmaceutical. And also there are a few initiatives that we will be working on together also with the government and the BUMN SOEs. For example, the Bali Sanur project. You probably have read about this opportunity, right? where the government will set up an area in Sanur Bali as a special economic zone for healthcare. One of the large hospitals will open a big hospital in that area and partnering with Mayo Clinic, probably you know the top two or top three healthcare provider globally from US, with the goal for us to, you know, providing really a world-class services from cardiology, oncology, neurology gastro and so on and there is also an additional goal because as you know do you know there is 12 billion dollars spent by indonesians going abroad to purchase a healthcare services either in singapore or thailand malaysia so we want to bring some of that you know basically it's an importing services right what should we import why don't we provide that services with the same quality in here so that's also another goal that we want to bring very exciting times indeed. And the project in Bali, we've heard a lot of inquiries about it as well. And a lot of people in the market are also really excited about that. I heard that it's not only just hospital, they're going to you know, build a whole integrated complex 
Yes. Which would cover wellness, yeah, entertainment, wellness, all sorts of. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, beauty, uh, beauty and wellness, lah, basically. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Gastro, gastro speciality, and probably among the best laboratory. So if you want to do a medical checkup, you don't have to fly to Singapore or Penang or KL, right? You can go to Bali. And then if you have, people have to choose to go to Penang to Bali, why should you go to Penang to do, right? Better to go to Bali. Easy uh, choice, yeah, Pak. Um, a short break during the weekend. So it's a fantastic proposition. Yeah, and do yoga after that, yeah, Pak, yeah? And do yoga. Yes, <laughs> yes. yoga, chill uh, on the beach. And mm. within that complex, we, uh, they will build also the hotels and also some resort. Basically, a fantastic proposition for anyone who wants to get either a medical checkup or treatment. Definitely. And I've also seen that the government has also liberalized some the foreign investment restrictions in some of the sectors that you've mentioned, right? Hospitals, medical laboratories, clinics as well. So that's a definitely a positive development too in attracting foreign investments coming into the country. Okay, so let's move on to our digital economy space. Digital economy has actually been thriving in Indonesia for the past couple of years. And we've also seen significant growth in the payment services, digital consumer services like e-commerce and its supporting activities such as warehousing and logistics as well. In terms of our kind of digital economy growth in Indonesia, we're also seeing a lot of tech startups and, you know, our young people are being very, very creative in coming up with new business models within the tech space. In light of that, you know, what investment strategy does INA take within the digital economy space? Okay. So for us, digital is one of the key pillars, that's for sure. And when we think about digital, we think end-to-end. It's not only the digital commerce, you know, with the lack of Goto, Traveloka, Bukalapak, and so on, right? Which basically everyone knows in this market. But also, which I think equally important is the digital infrastructure. So we have been focusing more on the digital infrastructure, which include telco tower, data center, and fiber. I think these are the three subsectors within the digital infrastructure that we have been quite active investing and also exploring deals. Because for us, the penetration, for example, of mobile phone in Indonesia has been very high. It was probably almost reached the peak. But the problem is now is the quality, right? Even for myself, who has the office around the uh, central business district, sometimes uh, I have difficulty with the connection, right? I cannot imagine someone, you know, in other part of Indonesia where the coverage is much, much lower. The speed of the data in Indonesia on average is probably half of that in other countries in Southeast Asia and definitely much lower compared to, say, the speed in country like China. So a lot of homework that we need to do to ensure we provide the right infrastructure to make sure, you know, the continued growth of digital commerce in Indonesia, mobility, data growth, and so on is being supported with the right infrastructure. So I think for now and in the next one, two years, these are uh, our focus. Okay. But Pajahyadi, given, you know, the elevated uncertainty in the broader economy, do you think that the investment in startups um, will slow down or do you think investors will always have an appetite for this segment? Well, our country is not immune to the global markets and sentiments. With the current developments in the global market, it seems that investors are generally taking a more cautious strategy 
in deploying funds into startups. So growth is not everything. Yeah, in the past few years have been a learning experience for both investors and startups. I think it's fair to say that there will always be opportunities and interests depending on the sectors and the business model of the startups. We have come to the end of the podcast. Thank you, Pak Cahyadi and Pak Stefanos for attending our podcast and thank you for sharing these fascinating insights with us. If you have any questions or comments on this topic, we'd love to hear from you. And please be sure to tune in to the next episode of our M&A podcast series. Thank you for listening.